48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Richard Pine. The headlines. The government estimates there are still around 100 silent coronavirus carriers in the community and warned that any of these could cause an outbreak. Infectious disease expert Yun Kwok Yung says the University of Hong Kong is hoping to start clinical trials for a new nasal spray vaccine for COVID-19 in November. And the city's biggest pro-establishment party calls on the chief executive to reconcile with the people, saying government policies in recent years have been out of touch. The government estimates there are still around 100 silent coronavirus carriers in the community and warned that any of these could cause an outbreak. Wendy Wong reports. The Secretary for the Civil Service, Patrick Nip, based a figure on the number of carriers picked up in the government's free community testing scheme. Authorities have collected samples from more than 1.4 million people in the scheme and have found 19 new infections. Speaking on commercial radio, Mr Nip said it was difficult to predict how many more people would take part in the program now that it's been extended for three more days until Monday. Mr Nip also spoke on an RTHK radio program calling on parents, teachers and students to get tested before face-to-face classes resume later this month. Infectious disease expert Yun Kwok Young says the University of Hong Kong is hoping to start clinical trials for a new nasal spray vaccine for COVID-19 in November. Vicky Wong has details. Professor Yun Kwok Young says they've received about $20 million from authorities and are hoping to recruit about 100 healthy people in Hong Kong for the trials. His comments came a day after the University of Hong Kong announced that mainland authorities had given the go-ahead for clinical trials for the nasal spray which it has been developing with Xiamen University and Beijing Wantai Biological Pharmacy. But Professor Yun says there are three phases of clinical trials for vaccines, and after the first phase launches this year, it will take at least another year before the vaccine can be used. The pro-Beijing DAB party says it's told the chief executive to reconcile with the people, saying government policies in the past few years were out of touch. Starry Lee, the party chairwoman, said the executive council can play a greater role in policy formulation. She also said interactions with political parties need to be strengthened. This is one of the 31 suggestions they put forward to Carrie Lam for the upcoming policy address. Ms Lee was asked if the government should interact more with the people if it wanted to mend fences. Of course, uh, nowadays the communication is not uh, limited to one way, especially the team should get used to the social media. Right? I hope that her team can uh, get in touch with people in different ways. Uh, of course, the suggestion that we have raised is to make use of the executive council and uh, to have a better communication with the uh, legislative council. And I think these two are also important. The DAB also called on the CE to roll out a health code as soon as possible so that people can travel to mainland China. It also wants another round of cash handouts of no less than $5,000, as many people didn't directly benefit from the government's anti-epidemic fund. Here's Ms Lee again. We are in a very difficult situation and comparatively speaking, although we did spend a lot of money before, but we still have a fair amount of reserve. And I hope that with the government assessment, the government can be able to distribute another round of cash handout to the general public because that is the quickest way, I believe, because with the experience that they had before, the quickest way that the general public, everyone can feel that and can use this money uh, with their own discretion. The head of a travel agency says it would be easier for authorities to do contact tracing of coronavirus cases if holidaymakers travel in tour groups. The CEO of Worldwide Package Travel, Yun Chunning, was commenting on the government's plan to set up 
travel bubbles with different places as the COVID-19 situation improves. He said travel agencies knew flight and hotel information, as well as itineraries of tour groups, so it would be easier to trace their contacts compared to individual travellers. He said infection control measures would be in place, such as spacing people apart on buses and making them eat meals separately. Dozens of people have queued up outside the Housing Authority office in Lok Phu at the start of the application period for 7,000 subsidised flats. The flats are located in Sha Tin, Fan Ling, Man San and Diamond Hill and will be sold at 63% of the market price. The first two people in line said they arrived at 3am and 6am respectively to get forms for their children. The application period lasts until the 7th of October. The U.S. consulate has sold its property in the Southern District at $2.6 billion. A U.S. consulate general spokesman says the sale is a business decision and won't affect their presence and operations in Hong Kong. As Joanne Wong reports, the buyer was local developer Hanglung Properties. The plot of land at 37 Shosun Hill Road, overlooking Deepwater Bay, spans more than 94,000 square feet and has been serving as staff quarters for the consulate since 1948. Real estate services firm CBROE says the property has been tendered out at $2.57 billion. A U.S. Consulate General spokesman says portions of the proceeds will be reinvested into its properties in Hong Kong. He notes that the sale is purely a business decision as part of a global review of holdings and that it won't affect the consulate's presence, staffing or operations in any way. News that the Southern District property was up for sale surfaced in late May amid escalating Sino-U.S. tensions then over Hong Kong's national security law. The luxury homes were reportedly worth more than $3 billion. Hangnong Properties says it's pleased to have won the tender, saying the price was reasonable. It says the land will be redeveloped into luxury houses to be completed by 2024, adding that the purchase was a vote of confidence in Hong Kong's future. HSBC says it'll remove fees for a range of basic banking services in Hong Kong from November. In a press release, it says the move is to enhance financial inclusion and make banking services more accessible. It says deposit and withdrawal of foreign currency notes, request for financial reports and documents, passbook replacement and global transfers are among services that will be free of charge. It says the the change will help customers who have been hit hard by COVID-19's economic fallout and will benefit over 4 million personal customers. The United States has revoked visas for more than 1,000 Chinese nationals under a May 29th presidential proclamation to suspend entry from China of students and researchers deemed security risks. A State Department spokeswoman said the action was being taken as part of the U.S. response to China's curbs on democracy in Hong Kong. The U.S. Democratic presidential contender Joe Biden says Donald Trump knowingly and willingly lied to the American people about the threat posed by the coronavirus. The accusation follows the publication of excerpts from a new book by the journalist Bob Woodward, who spoke to Mr. Trump in February and March. The president told Mr. Woodward how deadly COVID-19 was, but insisted he wanted to play down the risks. I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. It goes through air, Bob. That's always tougher than the touch. You know, the touch, you don't have to touch things, right? But the air, you just breathe the air, and that's how it's... uh past. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. Uh, It's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. Mr. Biden accused the president of lying. He knew 
how deadly it was. It was much more deadly than the flu. He knew and purposely played it down. Worse, he lied to the American people. He knowingly and willingly lied about the threat it posed to the country for months. He had the information. He knew how dangerous it was. And while this deadly disease ripped through our nation, he failed to do his job on purpose. Large fires have continued to rage along the American West Coast, destroying hundreds of homes. A plume of smoke from the wildfires in California has descended on the San Francisco area, causing the sky over the region to turn orange. These people said it was surreal. 11.15. Crazy. 11.15 in the morning, and it's like the middle of the night almost. They're saying it's coming all the way from Oregon, which is hundreds of miles away. And it looks like the apocalypse right now. <laughs> it's like nighttime in the daytime. 14,000 firefighters are battling some 30 major blazes in the state. The wildfires have burned 2 million acres, killing at least 8 people. In neighboring Oregon, the, the state governor, Kate Brown, said several towns had been lost. Oregon has experienced unprecedented fire with significant damage and devastating consequences across the entire state. We expect to see a great deal of loss, both in structures and in human lives. This could be the greatest loss of human lives and property due to wildfire in our state's history. In a new report, the World Wildlife Fund wants, warns humans are destroying nature at a rate never seen before. Here's the BBC's Helen Briggs. The report looked at thousands of different wildlife species living in forests, grasslands, rivers and oceans across the world. Conservation scientists recorded an average 68% fall in mammals, birds, amphibians, reptiles and fish since 1970. They described the decline as catastrophic and clear evidence of the impact humans are having on the planet through burning forests, overfishing the seas and destroying wild spaces. But new modelling evidence suggests the tide can be turned if action is taken urgently. The former chief executive of Volkswagen, Martin Winterkorns, and a number of former colleagues will stand trial on charges related to the carmaker's emissions cheating scandal. The court in northern Germany is allowing the case to go ahead, saying Mr Winterkorn faces a high chance of conviction. The BBC's Andrew Walker reports. The charges against Mr Winterkorn and his colleagues arise from Volkswagen's diesel cars, which were fitted with software that allowed them to register much lower levels of emissions in tests than they did in normal use on the road. The former executives face a range of charges, including organised commercial fraud relating to their alleged roles in the misleading tests. Mr Winterkorn denies the charges. He resigned in 2015 shortly after the scandal was revealed, blaming it on the mistakes of a few. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 24,494. That's 26 points up from the previous close. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 106.1 Japanese yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 18 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 6 cents. Now to sport, here's Adam Chung. We start with tennis. Serena Williams is through to the semifinals of this year's U.S. Open after completing a three-set comeback against the unseeded Bulgarian Svetana Pironkova. It finished 4-6, 6-3, 6-2 for Williams, as watched by the BBC's David Law.
It hasn't been straightforward for her. I would say it's been an impressive fight back. 6-2 in the third set against Fatana Peronkova, who is unseeded here and, in fact, unranked because Peronkova, having given birth to her son three years ago, has not played a tennis tournament since. Wonderful match, really high quality, and Williams pushed to the limit, but she's come back, she's won it, and uh, two more matches to win for Serena Williams to try to reach that mark of 24 four Grand Slam titles that she so seeks. Williams will play Victoria Azarenka in the semi-finals. The former world number one from Belarus blasted Belgium's Elise Mertens 6-1-6 love in just an hour and 13 minutes. In the men's draw, Dominic Team cruised into the semi-finals with a straight sets win over Alex de Menor. Team will face Daniel Medvedev, who won the All-Russian quarterfinal against Andrei Rublev, 7-6-6-3-7-6. Medvedev has yet to drop a set in New York this year. In the NBA playoffs, the Toronto Raptors outlasted the Boston Celtics in double overtime to force a Game 7 in their second-round series. Norm Powell came off the bench for the Raptors and scored 10 of his 23 points in the extra session. OG Ananobi hit a 3 with less than a minute left to give Toronto the lead for good. Their efforts were built on the leadership of Kyle Lowry, who led all players with 33 points in 53 minutes played. As the two hard teams playing hard and, you know, it's just a tough double overtime game. But no matter how you get it done, no matter who has to do it, coach believes in us and what we do. We believe in him and what he believes and what, what he wants us to do. And uh, we got the game seven. The Los Angeles Clippers are one win away from reaching the Western Conference Final. They beat Denver 96-85 behind 30 points from Kawhi Leonard. The Nuggets now find themselves down three games to one for a second series in a row. On the ice, the Tampa Bay Lightning have jumped out to a 2-0 series lead in the NHL's Eastern Conference Final. Nikita Kucherov spared Tampa from another overtime game, his sixth goal of the postseason. With 8.8 seconds left in regulation, gave the Lightning a 2-1 win in Game 2 over the New York Islanders. And that's your look at sports. To end the news, the top stories once again. The government estimates there are still around 100 silent coronavirus carriers in the community and warned that any of these could cause an outbreak. Infectious disease expert Yun Kwok Yung says the University of Hong Kong is hoping to start clinical trials for a new nasal spray vaccine for COVID-19 in November. And the city's biggest pro-establishment party calls on the chief executive to reconcile with the people, saying government policies in recent years have been out of touch. The news from RTHK.
afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday afternoon. Thursday the 10th of September is today's date. Many thanks to Phil Whelan for the morning brew. And we do have a very busy show for you. Just after half past one, we're talking to David Tate, the CEO and publisher of Mandarin Matrix, about the future of EdTech, or EduTech, which is basically the practice of introducing IT tools into the classroom to really create a more engaging and inclusive learning experience. I'm sure many of the teachers are incorporating uh, different various uh, elements of education technology to help their uh, students learn. So we'll be chatting a little bit more about the future of this industry. And after two o'clock, we'll be chatting with Sadia Osmani uh, for our regular Thursday chinwag. And this week, we'll be talking about uh, how being constantly busy is actually killing our creativity. And finally, after 2.30, Andrew Dembina joins us once again for this week's Artsing Around uh, for the latest global and local art news. And as usual, we want to hear from you as well. So feel free to join us. Our email address is 123show at rth hk.hk that's one two three show at rthk.hk and we hope to uh, bring you some of these interviews these chats onto the facebook page as well so feel free to 